Hello, and welcome back to the Drinking Liberally podcast, the show that combines good alcohol with some friendly political banter. And I guess since social media isn't fact-checking anymore, um, I also want to throw in that this is the one and only conservative podcast in the world and a personal favorite of Donald J. Trump's. Yeah, he's always hitting me up with show ideas. Um, they're fucking terrible, but he's got a lot of uh, a lot of suggestions for us. It's it's amazing. <laughs> My DMs are lit right now. <laughs> I'm Kevin Wilson, and that voice you just heard is my co-host, Jeff Fenner. How's everyone doing? Jeff, you ready for a very special uh, Drinking Liberally Spooktacular episode? We're doing that. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 100% ready. There's nothing themed about today's episode other than our last Oktoberfest of the season. Very exciting. Exciting because you don't like Oktoberfest? This one I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is right there with the Sam Adams for me. I was just out, and uh, they had the Sam Winter out already. Crazy. It's it's like, like aggressive. They're always like a season ahead, now, <laughs> can which we, is like, wild. Can we wait a weekend in November before we winter, winter it up? Yeah. So this week, we are drinking an Oktoberfest from the Two Roads Brewing Company out of Stratford, Connecticut. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward Oktoberfest. It, it's 5.8% alcohol by volume. It pours a nice amber color with a foamy head to it. It's got the, the typical fruity, nutty aroma of an Oktoberfest. So, really, you're off to a good start on the nose there. Yeah, it's uh, first beer you've picked in a while that wasn't super hazy, too. That, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's got, yeah, even the Oktoberfest last week right? was hazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one's uh, pretty clear. You can see straight through that. I see Jeff right through yeah. my glass. Uh, it's got strong carbonation, but it's a, a pretty smooth drink and sweeter than last week's Oktoberfest, uh, from Zigmeister, but I prefer this. It's actually, it's got that breadiness, not a lot of malt, but the sweetness and the breadiness really works for me. I love this Oktoberfest. Yeah. There's a really good chance I would actually seek this out over the same Adams one, uh, which is probably the biggest compliment I can give it. I was going to say that's, that's that. high praise. So... If I was out raking my leaves, this is a beer I probably <laughs> this have. Is the beer? Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm mowing our lawn. We, we moved on, and then you, yeah, we're going to get to shoveling snow in a couple weeks. Can't wait. Um, yeah, no, this is a great raking your leaves beer. Uh, a little flannel shirt on. Uh, Kevin's in, in theme. Uh, perfect. I actually really, really like this beer. Great beer. Yeah, I, I love this. And that's the Oktoberfest from the Two Roads Brewing Company out of Stratford, Connecticut. Uh, check that out. I think it's pretty widely distributed in the. The New England and New York metro areas, at least. So you should be able to find this in your local and store. Did you talk about the label here? We didn't, no. We threw threw a little two in there, a little creativeness with the, the I title. like that, yeah. So it's the... Uh, Oktoberfest. Yeah. OK2berfest. Okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll post a picture of this on our Instagram. Uh, they've got a lot of good beers at that brewery. I, I really like them. Cool bottle. It is a cool bottle. We should start a collection here in the uh, studio. Put a shelf in. We need a shelf, right? Yeah. Put a shelf, put all of our... For like every- the top top beers. Or even just for us to be able to keep track of what we've drank on this <laughs> show since I've been very, very late on updating our spreadsheet where we track each beer. <laughs> yeah, guys, if we start repeating, yeah, just bear with us. So we'll be drinking this Oktoberfest throughout this episode. And, you know, I had a lot of fun last week playing our little drinking game where we drank every time we said uh, quid pro quo. Yeah, we kept it going on Twitter, too. It was nice. We had a little, little back and forth. My wife's like, why are you going to the fridge at 9 a.m.? Yeah. I'm like, well, I just saw quid pro quo, and Kevin retweeted it. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're serious. We're about this uh, drinking liberally life. Yeah, we got to keep that brand going. Yeah. So 
<laughs> this week, let's switch it up. We're going to do a really safe bet this week. Oh, boy. That might be a mistake in the long run, but we'll, we'll, we'll find out as we get Are to Are you going to do what episode. I think you're about to do? We're going to drink every time we say Trump. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it might be the most common word or name on this pod. So Maybe in the lexicon right now. Ooh, that's a scary thing to think about. I mean, other than what, the and and? (laughs) (laughs) So every time someone says Trump, we will be taking a sip of alcohol. Do the same with us, folks. Yeah. If you're in a place where you can do so. Do not drive. If you're raking leaves, get that beer out. Yeah. Have a sip. As long as it's your house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can rake other people's leaves. I don't care. Just don't drive home after. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Call an Uber. (laughs) So let's start off with our uh, top story of the day, and that is the death of ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi. Great job, man. Yeah, I think I did a better job than Donald Trump did in his pres- in his press conference. For sure. And that's our first Trump drop. This episode is going to be 21 minutes. Because yeah, we'll be <laughs> sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> So earlier this week, news broke that U.S. forces had killed the leader of ISIS, which I think all around is good news, right? Yeah. Uh, This is something that, you know, you hate to celebrate the death of another human being, but this guy and bin Laden, I make exceptions for. Yeah. Do we go in attempting to kill these, or is it try to capture and if not kill? I think you try to capture them and hope Because it seems like it would be better for us to have captured, right? Yeah. But uh, all accounts are that this man uh, blew himself up rather yeah. than be captured. So oh, weird. he had a suicide vest. Uh, ah, yeah. it's not really what Trump said. Oh, well, tr- <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> I was thirsty. Sorry. <laughs> now, if you haven't been following this news, uh, a couple key things to know about this, besides obviously the big one that leader of ISIS is dead. This all came about because of a lot of inside, essentially, espionage going on. We had an inside man, a Kurdish man, who ingratiated himself with this leader, got into his inner circle, so much so, apparently, that they didn't even blindfold this guy when they would take him to al-Baghdadi. They trust him to just lay down in the back of the car, no blindfold, and we'll just take your word for it. That's how trusted he was. Hmm. Not enough to let him sit in the passenger seat, but... <laughs> right, but they didn't <laughs> but, think he was going to peek out the back window. Right, but didn't blindfold him, and I'm sure, this might be speculation, but I'm sure that really helped pinpoint a location. For sure. Yeah. Um, I bring up this inside man because, again, he's Kurdish. You know, the people that we just abandoned uh, a week or so ago, and... You know, decide to withdraw troops. Oh, but for no their own protect. good, because a little bit of fighting between siblings is okay, I've heard. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so wild to me because this guy risked his life, de- like 100%. That's not hyperbole. Risked his so he, life. He dies. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and not a nice death. No. That's not like a bullet in the back this of This is your a head. videotaped, put online, beheading Correct. death. Yeah. Or worse. And... S- this guy helped out the United States even after yep. we decided to pull out. And it's shameful that we've abandoned our allies in that that manner, that there's not going to be troops there. It, I mean, and the sad thing is it fits in with what we're doing here. I mean, you see the stories of, 
you know, soldiers that have fought for us that have their spouses, um, you know, deported or them, them themselves deported. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is, they're just pawns in a game for this administration to get us where we need to. And once we don't need you, we don't need you. And you're not important after or before. Um, it's just what you can give to us right now. You served your purpose and, you know, I, <laughs> I hope that guy's taken care of right now. I don't know. I hope so. I don't know. And I mean, all I want to know is that he's okay. Yeah. And I hope he's living on some farm with a nice house now somewhere. Yeah. I uh, hope he's taken care of. But. I hope he's not coming here because he'll be deported back and. <laughs> Jeez. That's hate, sad to Hate to be about. gruesome about it, but we've read too many stories now yeah. about this exact stuff. I mean, um, you know, how many people Trump is, the administration has outed or left unprotected out there that are doing this exact same work for us in different countries and in different situations. It's, it's sick. So, yeah, but this guy, uh, you know, he sounds like he's a hero. I'm sure he's got some blood on his hands being an inside man in a terrorist organization, but, uh, yeah, you don't get to that point probably cleanly, but maybe he's the accountant. That'd be nice. (laughs) Yeah. He's just been, yeah. Tallying up those dollars from the oil fields. (laughs) Yeah. But let's talk a little bit about, the reaction to this whole thing. So, Jeff, I don't know if you got to watch any or read Donald Trump's press conference, and we'll drink right there, where he announced the death of al-Baghdadi. Yep. I'm going to trip over that all day while drinking. That might have been the drinking game. <laughs> well, Donald Trump spoke for 40 minutes about this. Of course. This announcement. Not surprising. It was... Pretty much what you expect, just the rambling all over the place kind of pressers that he gives. Um, And it was so strange because he filled it with some facts, some very sensitive facts that the military probably didn't want released. Correct. Some outright lies and some hyperbole, which we'll, we'll stretch that. I'll give him some credit and call those like white lies instead of outright lies. It was a very strange press conference. Go back and watch this if you haven't already. Just, or just read the transcript. It'll make it very clear how strange this was. He went through it like a moment-by-moment analysis as if it was like a, a sporting event Correct. on ESPN re-watching <laughs> the game and giving highlights. Yep. And he talked about, you know, oh, we, you know, we blew a hole through the wall and we knew there was these tunnels. And he went through these tunnels. And Why the tunnels, wouldn't we knock on the front door? Knock, right, knock. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> As if people do that. He's just sitting there and you could tell how excited things like this make him. I feel like this is when he feels most presidential, quote unquote, when he gets to oversee some kind of military operation. Because I think he fancies himself as... The commander-in-chief is probably the title he relishes the most. Yeah. He, like, of all people in politics, he's always talked highly of generals, unless they've spoken poorly of him. But usually generals he tends to hold in a high regard. And I think he does really like portraying himself as the man in charge of the military. And wouldn't... There's no chance in hell that this operation would have gone on we would have killed uh, al-Baghdadi, and then Trump wouldn't have bragged about it, right? There's no way this goes <laughs> under the radar. 
Correct. I think more than that, like I think he would rather himself be, as he ran the campaign, the businessman of America that erased the trade deficit and the debts and, and did all this stuff. But in actuality, none of that's happening, right? So, Trillion dollar trade deficit. Yeah, so he doesn't have a lot to do with this intel stuff and with our military and with the FBI and the CIA because he's not smart enough to and he doesn't really read the briefings and the intel. So he probably got a nice little, hey, we've got this, it's happening, probably last minute. And this is an easy moment for him because he gets a win here. And he does get a win here. I don't want to take that away from him, yep. right? But you know, if you're out there and you're a Trump supporter listening to this, the one thing I want you to ask yourself, this man stood in front of a camera and a microphone for 40 minutes on a win. It's also the man that anytime there's any kind of controversy or something against him, does it in front of a helicopter that's turned on in a driveway yep. for eight minutes. Um, so just know that's who you're dealing with. It's somebody that can absolutely stand up and be the face of this nation during success, but somebody that's an absolute coward during any kind of controversy or defeat. Um, this was gross. Uh, anytime he stands in front of a camera for 40 minutes is good for Democrats. It's At good this for point, our next election. Oh, God, yeah. Because he can't be – I mean, if you're a Republican watching that, you're like, man, if this goes more than five minutes, fuck. Yeah. And he you didn't. never know what he's going to say. He walked into a million little traps and, like you said, lied. How do you lie during this? Like, just go out and celebrate your victory. Ten-minute victory lap. I oversaw this whole operation. Boom, we got him. Bam. That's all you need to say. And he would have walked away with pretty positive press coverage if he had done a five-minute presser. Easy. Yeah. And I would have given him some credit there, too. Yeah. Uh, so You could even be like, you can, you know, he's desperate to be on the same level of Obama. I'd be like, you know, Obama, Obama got his, and I was able to take down the next one during my presidency. We're on a good run. America. Like, that's something even me and you could have came in here and been like, listen, good press conference. Good win for us. Yeah. Nice job, Trump. But oh no. I literally started this segment by saying that this was, you know, again, I don't yeah. like celebrating the death of anybody, but this is good news. Oh no, he needs to And 40 I would minutes. have given him credit for that. He I needs... do give him credit for it. I don't give him credit for this weird press conference. Forty minutes, he needs to say it was a bigger defeat than his predecessor. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, I, I find that so strange. Like and there were jokes on Twitter popping up the second the press conference started that were like how long before he starts talking about that this is a bigger win than the killing of bin Laden? And he did it. Right. He brought it up, which is insane. Why are you comparing the two? There's, this is not a pissing contest about it, killing. It should not be at but I mean, all. You know, one of them threw, flew some planes into some towers. Yeah. I'm not saying the other one, one, one hasn't done. One of them responsible for 3,000 Americans dying on our soil. The other weird thing about this is um, for him to say it's a bigger defeat, after the last year and a half talking about ISIS is completely eradicated is really weird. Right. I thought they were gone. Yeah. So if they're gone or dismantled, let's give him credit. Maybe he's saying they're dismantled to the point they're not a threat that they once were. Then how could this be a bigger win? Yeah. If eh, I just, I mean, trying to get yourself. If you start trying Trump, to figure out this, yeah, you're going to go insane. Logic. There's not enough Oktoberfest in the world. We said Trump <laughs> about nine times. Yeah, so, so salute. Big old goal. <laughs> not to Trump, but to, uh, to our military. You know, to I know the CIA had a part of this. Yeah. Um, to the Kurds. To the Kurds. Um, everybody that helped out make us safer, uh, make us safer on our soil, make our soldiers safer over there. Uh, salute. Absolutely. Thank you. 
Before we move off this topic, there's just one thing I want to point out to our listeners that they should check out online. Um, was it Jeff, either you or Yogs brought this to my attention. It was uh, Jimmy Kimmel's contrast video. Incredible. So amazing. We'll give Yogs credit for that one. Yeah, it was from, it was from Yogs. All right. Jimmy Kimmel on his late night show created a video where he mashes up uh, Barack Obama's press conference after bin Laden was announced uh, killed and Donald Trump's press conference that we've been talking about. Yep. It is astonishing, the contrast. Having the two of them back to back, the manner in which they deliver the news is beyond words. You have to check this out. The wording, the presidentialness. Uh, (laughs) It's, you know, you have to laugh to keep from crying because just that's like a really sharp point of how far we've come. When it been lot so six years probably right. Oh, uh, we're talking eight years. Yeah, yeah. It was but May second, twenty eleven. Just to see that sharp point, and it comes on the back of um, the Honorable the Cummings, um, Elijah Cummings. Yeah, yeah, and Obama's speech at that. Right, just to watch those two things happen and just see where we're at now is uh, devastating at <laughs> best. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your politics. I feel like it's hard to deny that Barack Obama was one of the greatest orators of our time, uh, at least in the political sphere. And comparing anything that comes out of Obama's mouth to what comes out of Trump's mouth, it's like apples and oranges, and you can guess which one's the orange. Yeah. And for you people out there that think that's not an important thing, luckily we haven't had a tragedy um, on our own soil that Donald Trump has had to address the nation with. And I just want to let you know, had that happen, or if it happens, that's going to matter because that's the one voice that's going to cut into every TV show, um, everything that we do, and it's going to be the one person that keeps uh, panic and, and keeps us glued together as a country. And if any of you out there, I would love to let us know if you think that the man we have in charge right now is the one you want delivering that message in a time of like a 9-11, God forbid, or uh, Atlantic City or, not Atlantic City, I'm sorry, Atlanta, the bombings, um, whatever it is, something major like that. I would just love to hear from anybody that says, yeah, that's the, that's the voice that should lead us through one of those times. Because I'm terrified if it happens. I, yeah. I don't even know what he would say. I'm not sure he could say anything that would comfort me or... Or Make galvanize, feel hopeful. galvanize yeah. or lead the nation. That's yeah. what you're supposed to do there, right? That's his role. Are you going to play them this, uh, this clip? The video? Yeah. It, it's a little too long to play here, okay. but we're going to link to it in our footnotes. Right, uh, so check it out on our website, www.drinkingliberallypod.com. So on that note, let's move on to our next topic, which is going to be more impeachment news. We did have some new damning testimony Sound. I, I feel like we're going to be saying this every single week now at this point. Yeah. But the top White House Ukraine expert, Colonel Alexander Vindman, sat before Congress this week. And it wasn't good for Donald Trump. No. Not one bit. Salute. Colonel Vindman is a man that came to the United States at three years old. Uh, he is Ukrainian. Uh, Ukrainian born. 
This man served in our military, did tour in Iraq, has a Purple Heart from his time in Iraq, and was appointed by Donald Trump to work in the White House. All legit. Yeah. It's a pretty prestigious record that this guy's got. Except for the last part, but... Appointed by Donald Trump. (laughs) This guy sounds like he is someone that deserves that spot, though. Yeah. And Vindman testified before Congress that he was convinced that Ukrainian aid, you know, that $400 million aid package, was part of Trump's demand for Biden investigations. Or, if you want to flash back to last week, it was a... Quid pro quo. Thank you, Jeff. (laughs) So pretty explicitly defined here by Colonel Vindman. He also testified, this is a crazy one, not unexpected, but crazy, that the quote-unquote transcript released of Trump's call with President Zelensky. The completely accurate transcript. Yes. Just want to throw that in there. Yep. That that transcript omitted crucial words and phrases, and that Colonel Vindman, who actually listened in on this call, tried to get everyone to include those words and phrases... Twice. ...to make it more accurate, and was turned down. wonder what these words and phrases are. Yeah, Because if you're talking about explicit quid pro quo, and the thing that the Trump administration has been... That's a lot of drinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If we hearken back to last week, um, the thing that they've been hanging on is the fact that it was never directly asked for, right? right? You remove a couple words, direct now, or you put them back in, direct can become a little bit easier to find, right? Yeah, I, I 100% agree, and that's why this is so damning. I'm f- going to be very fascinated to see what happens when these hearings become public, and we get to see what's going on. Do we know when this call took place? It was uh, July 10th. Of this year. Of this year. Oh, yep. Okay, okay. So July 10th, yeah, Donald Trump said to President Zaleski of the Ukraine, I have a favor to ask. Yeah. <laughs> so I've gotten through a Mueller report. Good. Now I might as well go. Yeah, commit more crimes in the open and this, this is see if I can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah, great. We've it's done wild. We've and created this. <laughs> yeah, we did. And... The media helped create this, too, in particular Fox News and some other contributors that are out there holding water for Trump. Big time. And are smearing this Purple Heart veteran now. Like, Laura Ingram was, oh, maybe, and with one of her guests, was talking about how because he was born in the Ukraine, he probably has an affinity for the Ukraine and wants to help them out. So that's why he's lying to Congress let me remind you that he came here at three years old. Right. What did you have an affinity yeah. to when you were two? <laughs> Let me it, ask you. I don't want to go down this stupid rabbit hole because she's an idiot, um, allegedly. Where, like, if him saying this, how does it benefit Ukraine? It doesn't. I'm just trying to think of, like, would all of a sudden, if this came out that he got this through Congress, we'd give them maybe extra money on top that's unaccounted for? No. I think no. that's already happened for them. They've I mean, already gotten an extra payment that we don't even know what it was for. Prior to all of this, Congress had approved the aid package, the military aid package, and then Donald Trump held it up. Yeah, so what's and he his, held it up to extract these concessions from wh- the Ukraine. What's his benefit here? He doesn't have one. Correct. This man's integrity is unimpeachable. 
They'll try though. They Got will, they're, and they're trying their hardest. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's it's so gross for the party that likes to portray themselves as the most supportive and patriotic, the most uh, supportive of the troops, yeah. is bending over backwards to defend Trump and smear this veteran who is, from all accounts we're reading, very respected. Yeah. I mean, I've given up hope on this, but at some point, like, you know, if you have a best friend and you're hearing all this stuff about him for a while, you're like, dude, I've been around this guy for a long time. Nah, sure. Nah, nah. Like at some point, if like, you know, 80 different people are giving you the same story. You kind of got to be like, what have you been up to? Maybe there's something to (laughs) this. Yeah. Yeah. And, but none of them are going to break. And, you know, we've seen now the ones that are going to 100% double and triple down, right? Gates, yeah. Gats, how do you say that? Gates. Gates. Um, obviously, the great um, – it, it's just we've seen the ones now that are not going to move off this. They're going to go down with this boat. Um, Let them. That's what I say at this point. Drown. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, you're going to be the captain of that ship, buddy. <laughs> Figuratively drown. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> So what's next in the impeachment world? Well, John Bolton, Trump's former NSA um, advisor there, has been formally invited to testify before Congress next week. We'll see if he's blocked by he the White like House. He seems like he might want to talk. I, I don't know. I'm so torn on this because John Bolton, for those of you that don't know, his reputation has always been as this like war hawk. He's a guy that was so gung-ho, we even touched on this in one of the earlier podcast episodes, that wanted to go to war with North Korea to take away their nukes. Right. He wanted to do that. Trump didn't, to Trump's credit there. But John Bolton's always the guy that wants to like shoot first, ask questions later. And from all accounts, it sounds like he was butting heads with Trump from day one. Even when they left, Bolton said he resigned. Trump said he was fired. There, there's no, you know... There's no love lost there. Yeah. The issue here is if he comes and says nice things for us, they're going to pull all that right up, right? It, it's bad, yeah. I mean, if, if, Trump, if Bolton goes out there and says, you know, Trump never said this, that's bad for the Democrats' case, 100%. Right. Uh, whether he's telling the truth or not, that's why we're doing this investigation. Yeah. If he comes out and says, no, everything that Vindman, everything that Taylor has said and this whistleblower has said is true that might be a nail in the coffin huge that would be the highest ranking official on record at least going forward and saying yes i was privy to these conversations yes this is what happened yes i understood this to be something inappropriate and impeachable that's what we need week hopefully he actually sits down puts country before party, and decides to testify. I'm not going to hold my breath for that, but uh, somebody's going to have to step up at some point. Yeah. And there have been. Let's not say. There's been a few. Yeah. I whistleblower, mean, this whistleblower. Yeah, we uh, were just talking about. Yeah. Bill Taylor, the ambassador, is now talking about potentially seeing in front of Congress. He's one of the, um, the guys that was involved in these discussions and brought all this to light. He shared those text messages with Congress that we did a live reading of. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of people with some clout. As we've forward. seen, though, we need an avalanche, yeah. not, not a snowfall. We need, we need it all to come crashing down uh, to where it's just 
unimpeachable that he's supposed to be impeached. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we're starting to see cracks in Trump's defense. We touched on a couple of them last week, but there's two new ones that are starting to show over the last week. And one was the Republican argument that this impeachment process is a sham because the House never held a formal vote to opening inquiry. Right. Which is silly because the Constitution, you can find a copy of it anywhere for free. Please check this yourself (laughs) if you don't believe me. The Constitution outlines what impeachment is and isn't. And guess what's not included in there? The requirement to have a vote to initiate an inquiry. Right. That happens in the Senate after, and that's when you vote. The Senate's a trial. It's not, right? It's a trial. Yeah. Guilty, not guilty. (laughs) That's it. The impeachment process is more akin to a grand jury. That and grand juries are typically done in secret. Yep, discovery. And by secret, I mean behind closed doors. It's all discovery. Yeah, to figure out if there's something there. So that was one of the holes now that's going forward because a federal judge just ruled that the impeachment process is entirely legal. I mean, the current ongoing one, yep. entirely legal and doesn't require a formal vote because, of course, it doesn't because this judge has read the Constitution. Yeah. So if you need any other validation, there it is. And half of these morons are standing in front saying they can't get in, have been invited to this and have access. Um, it's all yeah. it's all photo op. It's all BS. I don't um, think we touched on that. And I'm not necessarily sure I even knew at the time last week when we recorded that. When we, talk, we talked about the Republicans that stormed the, uh, that sensitive skiff room. Yeah. A number of the Republicans that showed up with Matt Gates Could have walked in and Had down. clearance <laughs> to be in there. Yep. And could have just sat in themselves. No, and some of them were in there, physically in the room. So it was just a political photo op for them. thousand percent. Which, that should raise some red flags for people, too. Gaslighting. thousand percent. This is exactly what we're talking about. Like, they're just standing out there completely, like, factually untrue. Like, yeah. And they just get away with it. I mean, it's... Our news cycle moves so fast, you can do those moves now. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of like the cherry on top... You know, just to really bring the hammer down on people that say this is a sham and we need a vote. Nancy Pelosi said, you know what? Fine. Fuck it. We'll have a vote. <laughs> Done. We'll do a vote because now I have everyone galvanized behind me. Right. We're going to get this approved. She knew. And when Republicans are saying, hey, this is not fair because the, you know, the House, they can hold an inquiry with only a bare minimum majority. I'm like, yeah, that's what the Constitution says. And guess what? That majority was voted into power last year by the people. Yeah. This isn't like Republicans somehow they got screwed out of seats. They don't care about the people. I know. I know. <laughs> they try to gerrymander those votes away. That's the, that's the solution. Yeah. Before we close out impeachment, I do want to circle back to what we were just talking about, how it's more akin to a grand jury. And you were talking about how it's behind closed doors. It's a discovery yeah. process. Right. And because I've seen even some of my own um, friends and family that consider themselves, you know, left leaning. Right. Questioning. Yeah. Why are they doing it behind closed doors? You got to find out if there's there there. Right. So that's one of it. (laughs) Yeah. One piece of it. You question these people. But let's use this analogy. Jeff and I rob a store together. The police pick both of us up. Are they going to question us together? Nope. Absolutely not. I want to corroborate stories, baby. Right. Because if I say, oh, well, I was home doing this, oh, guess who's going to be my alibi? Right. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah, of course he was. So, yeah, yeah. And me and him were playing. I was next yeah, to him. Yeah. 
We were playing Call of Duty all day. Yeah. No. <laughs> so that's the reason why we hold these behind closed doors is because you have the opportunity to speak to these witnesses, hear what they have to say, for better or worse, and then that can inform your line of questioning against the next person that comes in. And guess what? Because if we th- do it publicly. If it's on TV, if I'm in this impeachment inquiry and I'm saying, me, Kevin, goes in there and says, well, no, Donald Trump never said that, and my boss, Jeff, told me that he also did not hear it. Now, Jeff sees that on TV, and when he testifies tomorrow, he knows, guess what story I'm running with? Right. Because I'm not going to perjure myself, because Kevin already lied, and no one will know he lied unless I tell them. And even more than that, if you really think something's shady about this, um, the people that may be able to go in there and clear Trump's name and defend him that have been asked to come to these meetings are being blocked by the White House. Why would they block people that might go in there with information that would clear him? Exactly what Kevin just told you. Because the stories might not line up. The stories might not match. And that's all prosecutors ever look for, right? They just want the crack. And that's what they're going to go hard at. Trump knows what those people know. And that's why they are blocking them. Everybody's kept saying there's no obstruction, no collusion. Well, guess what? Obstruction's happening right now right in front of your eyes. The White House is openly saying those people are not going to be allowed to testify, period. So if you were backing it on no obstruction, you're watching it happen on live television. They're literally doing it right now as we speak. Huh? They're like, no, Bolton Bolton might not show up. You want to know why he's not showing up? Because the White House is going to stop him showing up because they know he might say a story that's different than the next guy that's showing up, uh, Giuliani or whoever they're going to get in there. And that is the definition of obstruction of justice. Yep. That's it. Well said. Next up, we're going to talk a little politics and pop culture. I mean, everybody out there is watching the World Series. It's, a, yeah. it's an interesting matchup. Um, you know, two teams, and one of them happens to be from the nation's capital. Yeah. So if you couldn't tell by that intro, our topic is going to be Donald Trump at the World Series. Drink. Well, can we start before him being there? Just want to give a background that, you know, it's historically a tradition that presidents will throw out a pitch in the World Series. Yeah. Um, the Nationals have never been to the World Series. So, First time. Yeah. So it's happened before. And Obama did it at the White Sox game because he was a fan. Um, Bush, whose dad owned the Texas Rangers, is throwing out pitches there. It doesn't always happen in the World Series, but it's a tradition. At some point, it's going to happen. Um this did not happen here. He, Trump did not throw out a pitch, and he has in the past. Um, feel free to Google the images because they gonna, are fantastic. I don't, I've never seen this. Thank you for bringing it to my oh, attention. You've never Does seen, he make it to the plate? Oh, just Google the images. I don't even want you to see the throw, the oh, face. No. Um, we'll link to this on the site. Uh, awful. <laughs> and I think it was a definite. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What is that face? It's yeah. like he's never thrown a baseball in his life. We're going to, yeah, I don't that know if we're form. talking about later, but there's something to do with him throwing a baseball or hanging out candy that it's very unnatural. Uh, <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> um, so just to give some background before I go, this is a tradition. Um, baseball is America's pastime. It's probably the most ingrained sport with the White House and the president, right? It's kind of, it's just that, it's the game for America. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I can't. No other sport does the president go out into the middle of the field or. Yeah, the other sports, the commissioner is probably the bigger deal. Football, Goodell, he'll be at the first game. Um, baseball has always been the president's sport. Yeah. Um, so leading into this, already weird he's not thrown out the pitch. There was rumors he was going to, mm-hmm. and then really strong rumors that that was a terrible idea, which it would have been. Um, they picked somebody else, and then, uh, Kevin, tell us tell us what happened. Yeah. I mean, to to that point, before we go on to the main, <laughs> the main meat course. of this. Love it. <laughs> Juicy steak. Appetizer. Uh, the base, baseball's commissioner was talking about how, yeah, we were in discussions with the White House to throw out the first pitch. But the White House said, maybe it's not such a great idea. And Major League Baseball agreed. Quickly. <laughs> this was not a long negotiation, I promise. Yeah. It was probably which, like, hey, uh, do you think he'd want to do this? And they were probably like, nope. And they were like, okay, great. And <laughs> in their place... They chose Chef Jose Andres, which is probably a, I think, the best, super deserving, the most polar opposite choice you could make there. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with um, Chef Andres, he's he's the man that set up relief efforts in um, Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria hit there and devastated that area. And the Bahamas. he's in the Bahamas right now. His he's organization, incredible. they just cooked food, food handed for it out, thousands and thousands of people. Just what a rock star. Throw out the first pitch. Yeah. So we go from there to Donald Trump up in the his box, right? Tim, his wife, uh, Representative Gates, a few other uh, people. And later on in the game, they do their normal salute to the troops. They put the camera on a bunch of veterans. So there's a number of Marines out there in the audience. They go up on the Jumbotron. Everybody cheers. And then it switches over to Donald Trump and his wife on camera, and it immediately switches to booze, like loud, loud booze. Through the whole stadium. Yeah. We're, we're going to play a clip for you right now. So that is amazing just from an audio standpoint. But we'll link to the actual video because there's video. Lock him up started rocking. That too. There was lock him up chance. This is a pretty wild experience and something crazy to see on a national broadcast. Yeah. And check out the video because I just love the moment where he's waving the cheers are still going on for the vets. The camera switches to him. They, uh, the crowd starts booing. And you watch his face just drop when he realizes, oh, It almost shit. looks like he's crying. Yeah. That would be like human emotion. So uh, Donald Trump hasn't cried since he was a baby. Didn't, didn't you heard, know that? I heard about this. Yeah. That's an actual quote from Donald Trump <laughs> for those that thought I was being facetious there. <laughs> <laughs> so two things I took away from this. Um, first and foremost, baseball fans tend to be older whiter um and conservative um that's just the facts of the matter and to see an entire crowd especially a crowd that was paying top dollar for these seats this is not a matinee game on a thursday in june have this reaction is so heartwarming um just going into this election season it gave me a lot of faith Um, now i also know it's dc where they vote 95 percent democrat so i'm not going to go over the moon on it this didn't happen in st louis 
But anyways, it was great. Um, I was expecting a 50-50 there. I just was. Yeah. Just because of the – and this may sound fucked up, but the ticket prices – and what we were dealing with. Um, no, I agree with We're you. talking about a lot of corporate suites there. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole lower bowl's corporate in these. That's They're bought for by companies. I mean, if you get up into the upper decks, of course, right? That's going to be a little different. But I expected to be a 60-40, 50-50 split here on Cheers and Booze. Hell no. It was loud. Not even close. Number two, having children myself. For this man to have World Series tickets in such a dope suite in a great spot, and to bring Matt Getz instead of Baron. Um, His son, Baron. <laughs> yeah. anyway, to be fair, we don't know if Baron actually likes baseball. What five-year-old does that? Eight? I don't know. Who doesn't like baseball <laughs> at eight years old? Um, gross. I'm not willing to jump to conclusions on that You're one not? I'm not, no. So <laughs> let me ask you. If you have tickets to the Yankees tomorrow and you have a kid, are you oh, bring- I'm, t- I'm taking my kid. Are you bringing me? But I'm a human being. <laughs> Is there a reason why you bring me? What, like, what? I'm not a robot in a flesh suit <laughs> pretending to be president. <laughs> it just shows how out of touch this guy is. One, to think he was going to actually get cheered. Um, two, to think that, you know, maybe he brings his kid. What a decent photo op. Like, even if he hasn't talked to Baron in four years. Um, it's nice if he's there next to him. And, and maybe he doesn't play the role. But that was disgusting. Bring your kid to the fucking baseball game, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to you. That that topic over there. You really don't feel this is like weird that he didn't. He brought Matt Getz. I I mean I don't know again if his kid even likes baseball. Maybe he asked him. His kid said no. I, I'm not going to jump to those conclusions. What eight year old can tell you no? <laughs> Wild. Okay. What I had a bigger problem with was some of the reactions to him getting booed uh, from both conservative and liberal media. MSNBC. Boo. Yeah. Uh, just so many people talking about how disrespectful it is to boo the president. And is this how we want to be seen? I think Joe Scarborough had uh, had said on his morning show on MSNBC, you know, is this how we want the world to see us? Joe, fuck yes, this is how we want the world to see us. If we do not agree, if the majority of our population in a democracy does not agree with how our country is being led, we reserve the right by the very founding document of our nation. To boo the fuck out of this man. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there is nothing more patriotic and nothing more American in my mind than public dissent against the government. And more power to you if you've got the balls to do it while that person's in the room or in this case, the stadium with you. Make your voice heard. That's the entire message that we you know, we run this country on is that your, your vote matters. You know what? Well, our votes mattered in 2018. A bunch of Democrats took over the House. We want our votes to matter. Maybe by expressing this dissent, I mean, in a normal world, a reasonable person would say, I wonder why they hate me so much. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. That's obviously not the case here. What would MSNBC, what would his reaction be? Um, Where's it going on right now? Is it Chile where there's a million people right now just yep. in the streets? Over in Chile. So we have like 10, say 27,000 people boo the president. That's, that's a good amount, but it's not crazy. Like, would MSNBC be saying a million people in the streets of D.C. protesting? Do we want the world to see us this way? Like you said, yeah, this is so minor. Yeah. And to be upset about the lock him up chance is the most on-the-nose ridiculous thing I've ever heard about. Yeah. This was started by this <laughs> this 
this group. So, right, yeah. So a bunch of the crowd did uh, break into lock him up chants. And I have no problem with those either. Because it's a democracy. this is a politician calling for the arrest of a rival politician, no. an opponent. This is the public calling for the arrest of a man who's done a lot of criminal acts. Yeah. And if you don't think he's done criminal acts, you know, you could just literally just look at the Mueller report where they said, yeah, we can't indict him because he's president. Right. But if he hadn't been president, these are criminal acts. And keep in mind, if you were behind the lock her up chance with Hillary with all the stuff that came with the server, uh, all that was just refuted. Yeah. So if you were supporting that, now you're like, this is this is un-American to chant this. It's completely American to do this. Yeah. The same way you want to keep your guns because somebody thought having a musket was a good idea when they wrote the Constitution is the same reason you need to be completely okay with what happened in that stadium. Because yep. those two things fall right in line with each other. You start saying you can take away one, but you want to keep your guns, then you're a hypocrite. So be all in or be all out, baby. <laughs> yeah. So enough about the World Series. Hopefully by the time this drops, the Nationals have won. And I hate to say that. The Astros have won. No, no. <laughs> we disagree there. We do. All there is to say about That's that. That's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff and I, after this recording, I'm going to go out and watch Game 7 together and be on opposite sides. Yes. As much as it pains me to root for the Nationals as a Mets fan. But I'm for doing all, of us, all of you that like us to disagree more, we'll bring a mic. Yeah. <laughs> So that brings us to our fake news of the week. And this week's topic, it's an older topic, but one that has resurfaced its ugly head over the last two weeks. So I feel like we need to bring it up and clarify it because I had some of my own family members talk about this. And that is Donald Trump's opposition to the Iraq war. Multiple times over the last couple of weeks, he's brought up um, during rallies the fact that he was so against Iraq from the start, and if people had only listened to him, we wouldn't be in this debacle, blah, blah, blah. That's all well and good, but the facts say otherwise. So to really quick run through this list of how ridiculous this statement is from him, back in 2000, Donald Trump had a book called The America We Deserve. And in that book, Donald Trump says this. Here's a direct quote from his own book. I'm no warmonger, but the fact is... If we decide a strike against Iraq is necessary, it is madness not to carry the mission to its conclusion. When we don't, we have the worst of all worlds. Iraq remains a threat and now has more incentive than ever to attack us. That might sound familiar, that reasoning, because that's essentially what Republican reasoning was at the time. And the Bush's White House was arguing. So that's back in 2000. In 2002, September... Trump won on Howard Stern. Stern asked Trump, are you for invading Iraq? Trump said, yeah, I guess so. I wish the first time it was done correctly. Okay. Now, even when we get to 20, uh, 2003, he's on, <laughs> he gives this very definitive statement on Fox. He said, you either, quote, either attack or you don't attack. George W. Bush has either got to do something or not do something, perhaps. So the ever-eloquent future president speaking right there. And then he came out wholeheartedly against the Iraq War in 2004, which you might remember as like a full year after the war started. There's pretty, always a tweet. Yeah, pretty safe <laughs> bet. 
So before you start retweeting that, and I'm talking to you, some of my friends and family, <laughs> about how this man has always been isolationist and wanted us to be out of the Middle East, go back and check this out. We'll post links to all those interviews on our footnotes on our website. Following last week's footsteps, we're going to give our listeners some races to watch. This week, we're going to focus on local elections in New Jersey. If you're from New Jersey, we've got all 80 seats in the New Jersey General Assembly up for election next Tuesday, November 5th. That's a big deal. Democrats have a supermajority right now, uh, 54 to 26, if memory serves me correctly. Keep it. We need to keep it. Yep. It's a big deal. Jersey's a big blue state, but the laws we pass can't get passed unless we have a state legislature in place that supports our views. And we've always talked about local elections are the most important. Um, That's where we build this up from the ground. Um, we're right here from Pod Media down uh, the waterfront in Jersey City. Yep. Um, the 33rd Legislative District. 350 Warren Street. It's a polling station for you. Um, so yep. get here. Um, vote locally. Let's uh, build this from the ground up. It's, it's groundswell time. Yep. I'll be out there voting in the 32nd Legislative District. If you don't know what yours is, just Google it. It's very simple. Google your town, polling place. And now's a great time it. to make sure you're registered because if you're not and you can't get involved with this... If you wait too long, you won't get involved with the, the next big one. Um, so right now is the time you should be voting in this. If you're listening to this, you should be voting. If you're not able to now, great time to find out how to register, where to register, and uh, go do it. It's yep. Time to get involved. It's a big deal out here in Jersey, so make sure you get out there vote. We've also got a special election for a state Senate seat up, so make sure you're voting blue across the board. Go blue. So we'll close out our episode with some uplifting news, although I misspoke because the first thing is not uplifting, but this is a way you can help. Oh, man. I do want to bring up the fact about the, uh, the California wildfires that are raging. Not uplifting. Not uplifting at all. It's <laughs> devastating. I've got a number of coworkers that have been displaced um, throughout these fires and other ones that I was on conference oh, okay. calls who say um, – they literally smell smoke in their apartment from where they are, literally miles and miles from the fires. It's, it's bad. I will give this. We were hard on LeBron James last week for good reason. Um, this week, maybe it's because his house was in the path, but he did send a taco truck <laughs> up to take care of all the um, first responders dealing with these fires. And uh, shout out LeBron for that. Yeah. Um, feed Correct. them. Uh, take care of these people. I can't think of a worse job or i mean we talk about people running into house fires and stuff i mean if you've watched any of this stuff happen these things move so fast and you know some of them right now are threatening the campus of ucla and and um the reagan library so like some of this stuff's just it's incredible what they're having to fight and deal with and uh it's it's climate change and let's fix it it's going to get worse so make sure you support politicians that one, believe in climate change, and two, are willing to take action because otherwise we're going to see more of this kind of stuff. You don't think it's just because we didn't sweep the forest floor? No, no. We yeah. did, it's because we didn't rake it, Yeah, yeah <laughs> as Donald Trump said. Vacuum. It was a vacuum. <laughs> I think he said rake. Oh, okay. <laughs> vacuum would be funnier. But if you want to help... No way we have enough outlets. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you want to help people affected by this, we're going to post a number of links on our website, www.drinkingliberallypod.com. There's a number of relief efforts going on. And of course, you can always donate to the Red Cross, probably the easiest way to do it. Uh, you could just text the words Red Cross, one word, to 90999. You can make a $10 donation. It goes right to your phone bill. It's the simplest way to donate. Check it out. I did it at the beginning of this pod. All of you should do it too. Other good news in the world. It's open enrollment time for the ACA. And I bring this up because I know a number of you, personal friends and family members that use it. So this is your friendly reminder that sign up on healthcare.gov because our government doesn't care if you have healthcare. Do they have to re-enroll every year? Re-enroll? Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. But always go and check. Yeah, make sure you're good. Regardless. It's too important not to double check because our White House is not spending a dime on marketing for this. Last two uh, positive stories here. This one I I really like to hear. Twitter is banning all political advertising on their platform. Jack Dorsey announced it via, obviously, Twitter. And I think that puts uh, the ball in Facebook's court at this point. I wouldn't mind seeing Facebook banning all political advertising as well. Completely disagree. Why? Because that's, you know, you have a lot of people now that have, disconnected from cable don't have these access to the stuff and that's where they're getting it from this is a complete way to not stand up to the fact that you got to fact check a little bit before you run ads um, i think this is a cowardly way out i'd rather them not put any ads than put false ads so where should people get their information from yeah i mean you're talking about cord cutters cord cutters are historically just younger people that are also more tech savvy and getting their news online anyway I'm not worried about that. I think that. this is a cowardly way out of it. I think there's a bigger conversation that needs to be had. And maybe you're completely right here. Maybe in the short term for this election, just these ads going away is the most positive thing. But I do think as a Democrat, if that happens, the Republicans are going, the GOP is going to run with this, that it's just silencing them, that we've manipulated the media, well, social media. They if silence Democrats too. I, but I'm asking All you, political ads are I'm banned. I'm asking you, what message do you think is coming out if this is done? It's across the board. You don't think they're going to try? They might. You don't but think they're going to get that message out? I mean, there's no benefit to having fake news political ads out there, as no, I we've hate seen. It. No, I agree. So if they're not going to take measures to prevent them, and maybe this is a short-term fix, but if they're not going to take measures to present, uh, prevent it, then I don't want to see it out there at all. Because the false ads do more harm I don't like in democracy the suppression of of these things. I it's think, not. I mean, I Twitter's not a democracy, out. man. It's a it's a corporation. They can <laughs> no. ban whatever they want. It's not the government. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'm not saying they should be. I just don't love it. Off first rip, I don't. I haven't heard that. So this is my instant reaction to what you're saying, and I haven't done any research into it. And you may be completely correct. When you first said that to me, it was a visceral reaction. Was not good. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. You're, I mean, we are free to disagree with each other on this show. <laughs> no, I know. I just don't think it's good. And I may be completely wrong. So, Jeff does not agree that this belongs in the uplifting news ending of our episode, no. but that is perfectly I hold the fun. right to come back on and say, great job, Twitter. Or I will come back and I will eat crow. We'll but see my, how it, my feeling right now yeah. is poor job, Twitter. <laughs> our final uplifting news, and I think we might agree with this one. Oh, we'll see. Sh- And this might be more of a rewritten rules podcast topic, but the NCAA is permitting athletes to profit from their name, image, and likeness. I've never been happier in my entire life. Okay. I had Um, a feeling we might agree on this one. This is something, if you haven't uh, 
been following the news. College athletes, particularly those ones you see in the, you know, the uh, March Madness tournament, it racks in so much money in advertising revenue. Their coaches are paid sometimes more than professional league coaches. $9 million for Dabo Sweeney. That's insane. Who says he's going to walk away from the game if this goes If the athletes are paid. Great. So everyone's allowed to profit off these athletes except the athletes themselves. I think that's bullshit. I think the move to allow athletes to use their own likeness, get royalties when their their likeness is used in a video game and their personality and their moves are used in a video That's game, the they deserve to get paid for this. The most important thing of this is the video game thing. Um, I went out against my wife's <laughs> happiness and better judgment Okay. Um, about two years ago and I bought a PlayStation 3 and I bought the video game NCAA 2014 because yep. I was just dying to play it. Um, that package, because the game is now it's legendary, because it's the last one, mm-hmm. um, was about five hundred bucks. So the five hundred dollars for a gaming system that I only play want to play one game one. on. And the coolest thing I found out is, first of all, if you go out and get it, there are guys still on there updating the roster, so you can play with the current people. That's awesome, fucking incredible. Um, but if that game comes back, it's a legendary moment. Like it's the Edo Banning case. It's just to see these kids get paid off something that can easily like EA Sports is going to make a billion dollars off that right Easy. immediately. And so if these kids can make enough where they can like take their girlfriend out for pizza and don't have to like work at Gap or while worry that football, some ethics violation that might get them kicked off yeah, the team, and then maybe they can go to like a car dealership and get it like this is the right thing the whole time, right? Yeah. There's bigger steps. I think payments are fine too, uh, personally, and that's not our podcast to talk about. But I think we're California first started this, and uh, Sloop. Yeah, this is a good move. I I really like this one. So that closes out this week's episode. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram at drinking underscore lib pod. And, of course, check out our website at www.drinkingliberallypod.com. We check out our footnotes, those links to the uh, donation sites for wildfire relief we touched on just a minute or so ago. Also, be sure to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this pod. We truly appreciate everyone that's done so already. That's all for this week. We'll talk to you next. Cheers.